Precious Father, thank you for the opportunity that we get to gather uh, this morning, that we are blessed uh, to live in our country. We were just blessed to be born here or to migrate here. We didn't do anything to really get the, the privilege of being in Australia, but thank you that we are where we can gather and um, praise you. Uh, we can sing songs, we can pray, we can connect and fellowship and, and study your word. Lord, I pray right now as we come to your word this morning that your spirit would open our minds and hearts to what you have to share us, that you are a God of hope. And God, when we turn on the TVs and when we read the newspapers, when we look at our world, we see a world that is hopeless, that they're, they're, they're scrambling for hope, looking for hope in the wrong places, Father. And, and may this Christmas we be reminded that you are the hope that is secure and firm. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Here's a question. What are you expecting this Christmas? Turn to the person next to you and discuss for 30 seconds. What are you expecting this Christmas? seconds lots of expectations around Christmas anyone want to throw some out to me what are you expecting this Christmas anyone want to be game enough to say what they're expecting food Carlton has said food that's a good thing to expect what else anything else that you're expecting God's love great beautiful church quality family time some answers. That's, a, that's an interesting one. Some answers, Leslie, over there. Savannah, you had a massive smile. What are you expecting? You're not expecting. <laughs> no, okay. All right. Anyone else will move on. No, what anyone else want to share what they're expecting? Christmas is a great time and there are expectations around Christmas, aren't there? expectations play a huge thing when it comes to Christmas expectations about the perfect gift and 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 uh, you know what my wife uh, many years ago did this little trick she still denies it but she uh to, to just lay out some clues she got some Kmart Maya magazines and all and she would rip little bits out of it and, and hide uh under my pillow stuff that she wanted so like you know $5,000 makeup or whatever it was, all these different things, uh, open up the, the cereal box and there, there was something there, uh, just trying, uh, expectations for the perfect gift, um, I'm, not, I'm not a very good gift buyer, you can ask her, I'm terrible when it comes to buying gifts, I always tend to stuff it up and maybe that's why she, she did it, but we have expectations of the perfect gift, that our loved ones or our, our spouse or our kids or, or even as children, they should know what to buy us. And there's these expectations of what we want for Christmas. We have uh, expectations about quality family gatherings. These perfect family gatherings. Does anyone ever have a perfect family gathering? No, generally not. We can hope for it. We can pray for it. We can light another candle for it. Um, but it probably won't happen. The, uh, I remember growing up, obviously, an Italian, uh, mum and dad are Italian, which makes me Italian, and... Um, more so when we were kids, we would have big food gatherings. My mum's got a bit slack lately. We don't tend to do that as much. 
still great food, but the whole extended family would gather. And these things were huge, absolutely huge. It was like a stupidly big lunch. Uh, you think of a, 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 a table the size of a 25-metre swimming pool and everyone would sit around it, 50 uncles, 50 aunties, and the aunties look like the uncles and you've got grandparents, you've got my mum and dad, and, and you know, this massive bowl of spaghetti, even though it's 100 degrees, you've got spaghetti, you've got to have spaghetti or lasagna, and then you've got um, chicken, meat, uh, enough meat to feed the population of Tasmania. You've got, then you've got the food that makes you smell not great. So the olives and the garlic bread all spread out and, and, and you'd eat and you'd talk and, and lunch would turn into dinner. And, and when dinner was over, everyone was arguing because no Italian has ever been wrong. Uh, no Italian tends to listen when the other Italian's uh, speaking. But anyway, that would be Christmas and you'd go home and you'd wait till next year. But you have these expectations about these perfect family gatherings, don't you? Um, and sometimes family gatherings are great, but other times, oh, such and such coming. Uh, you have these expectations. Expectations about food, Carlton said food, as you channel your inner master chef. Uh, expectations about peace and hope and love and joy until you go to Midland Gate and you're like, there's no hope, there's no love, there's no peace and there is absolutely no Joy, And we all have expectations around Christmas. Some good, some bad, some just kind of status quo. But let me ask you this question. What if all we're expecting for Christmas this year, I think Veronica said something similar, was God? What if all we were expecting for Christmas this year was God? An encounter with God. What if as a church and a church family this December our expectation for Christmas was, was that we would have an encounter with God, maybe at a personal level, at a church level, and even at a community level, that we would experience God. And it might not be in a big thing, it might just be in something very little. It may be that we receive peace or love or hope or, or joy. But what if all we're expecting this Christmas was to see God move? Look at this quote here, author Handel Brown says it like this, Christmas has lost its meaning for us because we have lost the spirit of expectancy. We cannot prepare uh, for an observance, we must prepare for an experience and the experience is an encounter with the living God. Christmas can become so ho-hum Yes, it's great to eat food. Yes, it's great to give gifts. Yes, it's great to spend time with family. Those things are good and life-giving and a part of what it means to celebrate Christmas. But they're not the only things. Christmas is about God, experiencing God, that God comes with us, to us. 2,000 years ago, uh, that very first Christmas, people had expectations as well. Slightly different. Think of King Herod. Uh, when I was typing up the blurb, um, Deanne noticed one of my typos, I put King Herald. Uh, it's not King Herald, it's King Herod, I've got to make sure I say that. He had an expectation uh, for the very first Christmas, what was it? That his leadership was going to be challenged. His expectation was, well, hang on a sec, who is this king of the Jews? Where is he coming from? What, what? And his expectation was maybe a fight or a war or, or a challenge to his leadership. The wise men, they were expecting a, a king. The shepherds were out there. They were expecting, I don't know, sheep probably. And, and then Mary, what was she? She was expecting. Oh, sorry, I keep pointing to you, Savannah. I don't know why. <laughs> um, Mary was expecting. Joseph was expecting to get married. 
That was his expectations in the new year. We'll get married. This is going to be great. And, and Mary, she literally, that very first Christmas, was expecting a baby God to give birth to God, to give birth to Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, when, when they meet God, imagine what was going around in her head. In fact, we were in the prayer. Uh, one, someone prayed that uh, for Mary, that very first Christmas must have been exhausting. And, and again, what we do sometimes is when we read the stories of the Bible, uh, especially the, the historical records of the movements of the story, we, we can take the human element out of it. And, and Mary was just a, uh, like me and you. Joseph, like me, and normal people thrown into these incredible situations. And she was expecting a child that very first Christmas. So what if all we're expecting for this Christmas was God, like Mary and Joseph? Eventually he would have obviously came around after he had his encounter as well. But they were expecting God. Let's have a look at this in Luke uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 26. It says this, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, uh, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Now we learn a few things there about Mary. One, she's from Nazareth. Two, she's a virgin. Three, she's pledged to be married to Joseph. Uh, the virgin's name was Mary. Verse 28 says, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Now, most of us, again, know this story back to front. You would have heard it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. Uh, you would have read this story yourself. Maybe if you have children, you would read the story to your children. Uh, you know, shepherds and wise men and, and Mary and Joseph and the, and the drummer boy, although he wasn't in the story, but for some reason he always comes into my mind. He wasn't even there. Why do we talk about the drummer boy? But, but we know this story inside out, don't we? And we get this clean cut image, this here of a Christmas card story. Look at that. That's cleaner than my kids' bedrooms. And that's a stable with animals. And the, the, look, the cow there and there's ducks and there's no, there's no like back-end stuff, is there? Look how clean it looks. Picture perfect. That couldn't be further from the truth for that very first Christmas. That first Christmas would have been chaotic and stressful and, 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 and more like my kids' bedrooms. It wouldn't have been like that. But this is the picture that we get, this clean cut the very first Christmas, there wouldn't have been make, no makeup, no kind of angelic glow, none of that stuff. It would have been chaotic and stressful and anxious. Why? Because we're talking about humans. We're talking about people. And, and let's have a look at this. We see, firstly, the first thing we see in that story is that the angel Gabriel is dispatched. Now, if, if, you, get, if you have an encounter with an angel... That's a pretty good day. But actually, only two angels are named in the Bible. Gabriel and who's the other one? Anyone know? Michael. And so, so if you get one of those, man, it's a, it's, a, it's a great day. But if you're honest, I would probably be really scared. I know it says don't be troubled, but still, what would you, what, how would you respond? Greetings. I am Gabriel. You're going to... I would be scared. Uh, and she was probably scared. We know she was scared because it says, don't be, don't stress, don't be afraid because you, you're highly favoured. 
So, so Gabriel comes to uh, see Mary. It says that she lives in Nazareth. Now, in Nazareth in the days of Jesus was this small, tiny little hick town. Tiny, tiny town like Stoneville, maybe. I don't know. How, what's the population of Stoneville? 200? Is it more? I'm getting some blame. Oh, this is, I need to change the illustration. Uh, it's about 400 people in Nazareth in, in the times of Jesus. Mount Helena. Jason, how many in Mount Helena? Uh, Ten. <laughs> and they all live at Jason's house. Now, today, Nazareth has got about 70,000 people. But in the time of Jesus, there was about three, 400 people maximum. Farmers, rural people, peasant people, simple people. Nazareth was between two major towns and, and so it was one of those towns you, wouldn't, you would stop at. You know when you go down south or somewhere and you get petrol, you stop, you, buy, you pay $8 for a meat pie, you go to the toilet and you hop in the car and say, thank God we don't live here and you keep driving. That's, that's, that's what Nazareth would have been like. It was a pass-through town. No one stopped in Nazareth. Uh, it was a poor town, a simple town, farmers. It would have had one well, which everyone would have come to collect water. Uh, but here is the thing. Jesus goes, uh, sends Gabriel, sorry. Uh, God sends Gabriel to Nazareth to find Mary. Now we know, even if you remember the, through the Gospels, Nathaniel, uh, one of the disciples, is shocked that Jesus, the Messiah, comes from Nazareth. What does he say? Can anything good come out of Ahmed, uh, uh, Nazareth? <laughs> That's what he says. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And, and it's, it's a rhetorical question because he, he knows the answer. The answer is no. Nothing good. And he's like, what? The Messiah has come out of Nazareth? I can hear something. Oh, okay. I thought it was just me. Um... So Gabriel goes to Nazareth. Now let's picture Mary before we continue, because this is important. Lots of misconceptions when it comes to Mary. We have the, the Christmas card version of Mary, uh, but we also have this picture of Mary. And, and I was raised Catholic, and I don't, there's no, I don't resent that, but the Catholics have sort of cornered the market when it comes to Mary. Um, and, and this is the image of, of, of Mary that we get the, the, the reality is, this couldn't be further from the truth when it comes to what Mary looked like. Mary uh, is young. She's a rural girl, peasant girl, uh, probably illiterate. Uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of males didn't even speak, uh, read, sorry, in those days. So she would have had a faith that was simple, that memorized scripture, that sung scripture. Um, and she, again, raised in Nazareth, small rural community. She's a poor peasant girl. How old does Mary look in this picture? Yeah, 20s, 30s. Um, beautiful skin, by the way. Um, Mary probably would have been 13, 14, 15, 16, around there. Take, pick a number. That's, where, that's how old most scholars, most scholars say between 14 and 15 was Mary's age. Um, and now Joseph probably would have been about 17 to 19 of years of age. Um, and so that's how old she is. So Gabriel comes to 14, 15, 16-year-old Mary. The angel comes to her. We don't even let kids, they get their license at 17 and they have to wear a seatbelt. 
an angel comes to this 15-year-old and says, you're going to raise God. That's a big responsibility, isn't it? I want us to just reflect on this. I want us, we're just going to have a look at some pictures. So let's try to remove that picture. And, and this is the kind of Mary that we're, we're looking at. Different culture, obviously. Mary's a poor peasant girl from a small rural town. She's a teenager and she's betrothed to be married to Joseph. Let's read the rest of this this incredible story. The angel says that you are highly favoured. Greetings, you're highly favoured. The Lord is with you. And then verse 29, it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. And again, picture this 15-year-old seeing an angel and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. A pretty good resume. Verse 40, uh, 34, what, this is her response, and, and it's a pretty practical response. And, and, and she doesn't ask about this other stuff about who Jesus is going to be, but she says, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin, since I, I haven't laid with anyone, since I, I, how, how can I have a baby? Genuine question, I would have thought. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was uh, said to be barren is in her six months. Beautiful verse here, very powerful. Verse 37, it says, For nothing is impossible with God. How can Mary have a child uh, and, and be a virgin, well, nothing is impossible with, with God. There's things that we, we, we can't explain. There's things that we do have to step into faith. Now, Christianity is not a blind faith, but like this here, we step into faith. Mary, how does she respond? She doesn't say, Gabriel, you're off your chops. You, you, she doesn't say that. She, she responds in faith. Okay, this is a bit weird. Is it not weird? Of course it's weird. It makes no sense at all that she could have a child of the Holy Spirit. From a human level, it makes none of that, no sense. But in verse 37, it says, but nothing is impossible with God. At a God level, this is nothing. This is easy. Uh, I am, and, and then look at her response. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. 
What are your expectations this Christmas? Mary's expectations at that very first Christmas was to have an encounter with God, to see God being born. Her immediate expectations. I wonder what her immediate expectations would have been as soon as she heard what, the, what was happening to her. She would have obviously started to see her body started to transform and change. You know, she's out there one day, normal, betrothed to be married, and now she's going to be, carry Jesus, the Son of God. I want to look at some of the realities for, for Mary. And the first reality is this, one, that there would have been distance between her and Joseph, so Joseph and her family. Now, the, the, the Scripture says that there wasn't, but I'm sure they, there would have been some tough conversations in there, Surely. Hey, um, Joseph, I'm having a baby. Obviously, we know it's not yours, but it's okay. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't, the, the timing then, we know that Joseph uh, gets a visit. Was it a dream or was it, uh, read, the, read the start of it if you want to know what happened with Joseph. But he gets told by God that Mary will have a child and that changes his thinking. But it suggests maybe at the start he was going to divorce her or do something. But there's got to be some tension. There's got to be some, some distance between Joseph and Mary, a betrothed. And in that time and in that day, to betrothed literally was almost to be married. It's, it's different than to be engaged. In fact, in that time, in that culture, to get out of being engaged or to be out of being de, uh, betrothed, you'd need to be, get a divorce. You actually would need to get a divorce. And so this was serious they wouldn't live with each other, they wouldn't sleep with each other, but they were committed up until uh, the wedding day. And Mary says that she's pregnant. So to be pregnant during betrothal would bring a, a, a horrible stigma, not just to Mary, but to Joseph, to his family, to bring shame to his family. And so there's going to be some interesting discussions around the, the coffee table the tension, the, the distance. Now, again, once Joseph uh, has that encounter, things start to change, but what would be Mary thinking? Oh my gosh, what is Joseph going to do? Can you imagine when she first told him? Can you imagine when she first told the, the, the family? The other thing, uh, there was obviously the distance between Joseph. The other one is uh, despair over the reaction from people. Uh, people would have... Um, called her horrible things things I wouldn't can't really say from up here but you know what she would have been referred to what she would have been called um they probably would have kept her up at night would have stressed her out going to get water imagine the other ladies saying you're this and you're that you're you're, you're betrothed to be Joseph and you're pregnant yeah sure it's God now they didn't all have an account they would have just given it to her they would have said this, the nastiest things about her. John chapter 8, you remember Jesus, um, one of the, the, the Pharisees uh, was having a conversation with Jesus and they're, they're kind of arguing. And then the last part of that verse, it says, uh, we were not born of sexual immorality. So the Pharisees you know, like uh, they're kind of toing and froing, and the last kind of personal insult from one of the Pharisees to Jesus was what? Well, at least, least, least we know who our dad is. You were born of sexual morality. So, so that stigma would have been there the whole time. 
Now, we don't really see it in the Scriptures, but it would have. They would have given, picked on Jesus. They would have picked on uh, Mary and Joseph. The gossip that followed Mary and, and her whole life would have been um, horrible. And she probably knew that from the very beginning. This, this, this next one is divorce is a serious consequence. Um, not only could there have just been uh, distance between her and Joseph, Joseph could have divorced her. Joseph could have said no, and he was thinking about it, remember? Um, he was thinking about divorcing her because of this, what's happened. He could have just said, you're off on your own. Again, in that time, that culture would have been horrific for her to be a, a single mum in that time and in that culture. You, you needed a, basically a man, a husband, to support you financially, to bring um, some stability and status inside the community. No one was going to marry her. No one was going to take her on. So she would have been lost. Poverty. Family probably would have turned their back on her as well. But not only just divorce, it could have been even more serious. It could have actually been death. Joseph could have had her killed. Joseph could have dragged her uh, to the, the local kind of um, area where they would gather and talk and into the front of the religious leaders. Remember the, the woman caught in adultery? What were they going to do to her? Stone her. They could have done this. Joseph could have had that done and it would have been legal. He was in every, every right, he, he could have done it and everyone would have said, good job, Joseph, you did the, you know, what you've done was right and proper because she'd committed adultery, she's pregnant. And so this stuff would have been going around her in her mind. Forget parking at Midland Gate for shopping. This, she's worried but she could be stoned, thrown, big rocks thrown at her to kill her. Now we know that Joseph is a better man than that because he responded and, and he too acts in faith when he responds um, to God. And the last one here is a little bit different, was maybe the delivery of a healthy baby. So all of these things start, you know, those other stresses and then she starts to probably kick into mother mode thinking, oh, I hope my baby, oh, maybe my baby, um, I hope my baby... I hope my baby's going to be safe and healthy. Isn't that what all mums think? Absolutely. It's a natural, normal response. I remember, I think this was our third child. We had some scans here up on the screen. A little, that's Josiah. It, um, the first scan we had were, with our first two children were just the, what do you call them? One-dimensional <laughs> pictures. These were the 3D ones and they looked like little monkeys uh, in fact, uh, my friends used to joke and say, they sent me this picture and said, that's what your child's going to look like. Um, when you have your first child's going to look like that. Uh, they used to tease me because um, they'd see me with my shirt off. Um, but go back to the other one. And I know everyone in a room this size, people would have had, mums, uh, women would have had different experiences when it comes to babies and healthy babies and unhealthy babies. But, but isn't it incredible, this, this little thing growing? in the mother's womb. That would have been Mary. Now, obviously, she couldn't see it, but God was reduced to a single heartbeat. The God was, was clothed by skin inside this 15-year-old, 16-year-old peasant girl in a tiny little town called Nazareth. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. 
Let's not take the expectation out of Christmas. It's, it's more than just this. It's, it's, it's an incredible that God comes down to us as one of us. And not only that, he comes to us as, uh, in, in an ordinary family. Not even middle class, below middle class. A peasant family. To the lowest of the low, he's born in this stable I don't know, I, I, I wonder again what it would have been like to have been there at that very first Christmas. What was Mary expecting? What was she thinking? What was going through her mind? Look at, again, her reaction. Uh, do we have verse, I don't think I put verse 38 up there, but yeah, there it is, verse 38. This is how she responds. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be as you have said mate what would happen if we responded to jesus to god this christmas with that i'm your servant may it be to me as you have said i'm your servant may it be to me as you have said now when it comes to mary okay we protestants get a little bit twitchy don't we um now we know that the catholics have probably have have made too much of her but we don't make enough of her this lady is an incredible incredible woman of faith incredible woman of faith yes now we we again the, the, our catholic brothers and sisters have made way too much of her but what an incredible example of faith simple humble faith knowing all these things that could happen to her and did happen to her she responds in obedience she says whatever it is jesus so let's look at mary as not an object of faith but as an example of faith. She's not an object of faith that's something we worship, but man, she's an example of faith. She didn't ask God to change her circumstances. She didn't say, God, no, nah, I want twins. Or God, <laughs> God, I'm not having it. Give it to someone else, God. I, I'm a peasant, I can't... Re-. She didn't ask for circumstances to change. She didn't ask God to change the people around her. Bring in a new husband. She just says, God, I'll do whatever you ask. It is so. Let me, I'll I'll do as you have said. So often when we pray, God, change my circumstances. God, change my situation. Maybe we should, and I'm not suggesting that's easy to to change, by the way. That's why I'm saying this, this Mary is an incredible example of faith. To say, God, it is whatever you want, I'll do it. Whatever you're calling me to do, I'll do. Whoever you're calling me to be, I'll be. What if we just wanted God this Christmas? What, how does that look different? Just think about it for 30 seconds. How would it look different this Christmas if all you said, God, I just want you this Christmas? And close your eyes and ask the Holy Spirit to maybe reveal that to you. What if he wanted to transform your heart, your outlook, your perspective, your values this Christmas? What if God wants to change your attitude, your mindset this Christmas? What if God is saying, you know, I'm asking you to do this. How are you going to respond? What if all you're expecting for Christmas this year was God, an encounter with 
God, let me pray. Most gracious Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the scriptures which, which we can open and read and, and learn and study. But Lord, thank you for the example of faith uh, in Mary. Lord, we confess that sometimes we have um, made too little of Mary. And Lord, there's much to be learned from Mary and her faith. Thank you for her simple faith to just say, God, I'll do whatever you're asking me to do. Lord, I pray that this Christmas we would be expecting you to move in our lives, in our communities and in our church. We pray this and believe this in Jesus' name. Amen.